if you're like me, you want to get your business ahead, but there's certain skills you need, but you just don't have. If this sounds like you, then you need to head over to Fiverr. They have a whole array of professionals that can help you in different areas from design to writing, marketing, and more. They have you covered. I seriously can't tell you how much Fiverr.com has helped me along with this podcast. Um, I've used them so much for this podcast. It's been unreal. They make my flyers. They go ahead and um, I hired this guy to help me upload the each episode and in the beginning in order for me to be all over the place it was I was totally going on Fiverr it was I seriously just it's I've gotten so much for my business through them so please use my link which you can find in the description of this episode or you can go to marcellaalonzo.com and book there through Fiverr today you'll be glad you did Hello and welcome to Get Schooled. Uh, today is the first time I have ever got to interview anybody in Miami. And I have Manny right over here. Manny, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell my audience who you are, how you first came into a stand-up comedian, and so we can get to know you. My first Miami comic on Sunday Funday. Well, first of all, Marcella, thanks for having me on your very cool podcast. Great idea, by the way. Uh, my name is Manny Garavito. I run MiamiComedy.com. I am also a virtual comedy coach, helping people get in touch with their sense of humor. I've been doing comedy for about 13 years now in 2023. I've been growing the comedy scene here locally, and it's a great staple on seeing what stand-up comedy and comedy in general is all about in the Magic City. Nice, nice. So you've you've been around for over thirteen years, doing comedy all- thirteen years. Yes, I've been oh, okay. Miami, Miami comedy's been going on since two thousand fourteen. Uh huh. All right. So, have you done any tours? And how did you first get into comedy? Like, were you young? Did you have anybody you admired? Yeah, I admired. There was a golden age of New York comedy happening in the early two 2000- thousand maybe mid 2000s uh, you can see a sample of those comedians in the show tough crowd with colin quinn which is in comedy central during that time uh, when i was very young i loved that show even when i was a young adult 13 14 years old and i just loved the way they uh, had chemistry and the things they made fun of off the cuff and it was more like a a personality show where you get to see these amazing people uh, and now they're all successful in their own way and um it inspired me to kind of uh, get in touch with my own sense of humor and uh, bring it to some sort of light. And uh, when I realized that there wasn't a scene in Miami, when I started in 2009, I took it upon myself to uh, grow one and cultivate one to what it is now. Where are all the clubs in Miami? Um, I did live down there for a brief uh, around 2005 to 2007. I'm, I grew up in Florida and Tampa, um, we're exact. I'm very familiar. I have a lot of family in Miami as well. Uh, where are the main comedy clubs in Miami for people to go to? Because I, I personally don't really didn't really knew um, that Miami had a comedy scene and all that. Where are the most popular happening spots? Well, we really only have one uh, legit comedy mm-hmm. club, uh, which is the Miami Improv. When I started, we, we also had the Miami Improv, but it was in Coconut Grove. It was on the second floor. It was the first place I ever did stand-up comedy. 
I should have done a bar show instead, you know, but I decided to do the, the bringer open mic show and I bombed in front of 300 people. Uh, fast forward uh, 13 years since then, the Miami Improv reopened the stores, I believe, in, um, you know, 2018, 2019, I forget, uh, over in City Place in Doral, which is a thriving area here in Miami. And they've been bringing some great uh, national headlining comedians as well as producing some local shows as well. Oh, nice. Nice. So um, you were born and raised in Miami. What part? No, I was born in Long Island in 19. Really? Yeah. My dad brought me here when I was very young. I was about six years old. My dad was a party animal. He was a Colombian. Uh, (laughs) He wanted to be surrounded by that Latino heat. So uh, he brought uh, the family uh, again when I was very young and I just, uh, I got it. I adapted very quickly. I mean, I don't even remember any schools over in Long Island. I mean, I just my my earliest recollection are all based out of Miami. Oh, OK. OK, I see. Oh, OK. So you weren't. Um, yeah, because a lot of my family, they live in. Uh, God, where is it? Not near Coconut Grove, like Coral Gables area. I have a lot of family over there. So I know the whole. Uh, yeah, you fit in right very much well being Colombian and all that and uh, I've seen some of your Instagram and some of your jokes and everything um it's a lot of comedy I actually get though because I do have family there and I see that you're poking fun of stuff so it's uh, like it wasn't always like that Marcella you know as a it wasn't always like that like as a comedian in Miami I I always wanted to bring a fresh perspective of comedy Mm -hmm. In Miami, because, you know, Miami, when I was when I first got started, uh, they only laughed at certain things like there was only certain uh, kind of context or or, you know, premises that Miami typically enjoyed. And if you kind of like strayed from that and it was like a different thing, uh, the the audience in general don't respond to it. Uh, So in the beginning, it was just me trying to figure out my comedy voice and trying to be different. And then I kind of found that sweet spot over the years where. I can satisfy a Miami audience and I can be creative in my own way, like just right in the middle uh, right, and right. Currently where I'm at right now. And so Miami is kind of evolving when it comes to uh, not only stand up comedy or comedy in general, but all other kinds of arts. Um, you know, we're, we're now looking, I kind of feel it now. I mean, there's no hard data or anything other than the fact that some venues are opening that are doing now live performances uh, of bands. Um, oh. In Miami, you know, mm-hmm. live bands haven't really been a thing. Now it's becoming a thing where they're doing these underground shows. Because, uh, you know, we used to have this place called Churchill's, which is kind of like the venue we would go see bands in. And there was a lot of other warehouse shows and stuff like that. But now you've got festivals like Three Points and you've got a lot of uh, venues that are, are uh, setting up a stage for local bands to play. So Miami kind of, a, you know, goes through the ins and outs of what is performing arts. And uh, fortunately, now comedy is being looked on as something that is um accessible you know it, it not necessarily at a comedy club but maybe at your local bar on an off night you can go mm-hmm. see a live stand-up comedy show and it'll be a great excuse to go out and grab a drink yeah they didn't have that there before but you're you're definitely right about it. it's a particular uh t- particular different audience over down there than it is anywhere else oh and yeah I- I think with every every uh, touring comedian, though, things are different, like certain stuff is funny in certain areas, and then they have to change it up with the audience. So that's that's what I've commonly seen so much. Um, so you started exactly 13 years ago. How did your family react and everything when you first told them you were getting into comedy? 
How do they react? They were in the front row, not laughing. <laughs> they were in the front row, not laughing. Yeah, because I, I saw the story of my first time doing stand-up. I, I used to be a corporate guy. I used to be in banking. And uh, oh. I wasn't happy. Like, I was a creative kid, and, and I got stuck in a banking job when I started um, being a teller at the age of 18. And then from there, I kind of just progressed and becoming, like, you know, a mortgage salesman and all that stuff. And so, you know, I, I always, like I mentioned before, loved stand-up comedy and, and comedians in general. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go sign up at an open mic and just see what happens. And so uh, when I found out about the improv doing this Bringer show, I brought, you have to bring 10 people. So it was my family, their friends, my ex-girlfriend, her friends. And they just so happened to sit them in the front row out of like 200, 300 seats. So oh, that's nerve-wracking. Well, I mean, I was so cocky back then, too. And I was also drinking Crown Royales and Blue Moons in the back waiting for my turn. I think I was like number 30 or something like that. And, um, you know, I went out and uh, I remember I I blacked out as soon as the spotlight hit me. And I didn't notice how wedged in the microphone was that when I pulled it out of the mic stand, I slapped my mouth with it. And the (laughs) the thud resonated all over the auditorium and I could just feel the first time ever I could just feel that wincing energy of the entire auditorium. This guy's about to fuck up, right? And I surely did for seven minutes. It was supposed to be five minutes, but it was so bad that whoever was in the back giving the light was like, no, 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 give him two more minutes. This is really bad. I was just bopping. I remember looking out and I see my dad and he, he was just nodding his head because he didn't understand English to us. He's just like, yeah, that's my son doing comedy. And then they played Hit the Road Jack. And then uh, they got me on stage. It was great. It was a great experience. It was great out of body. Humili- I'm immune to humiliation since that night. Oh, you're into humiliation? Yeah. <laughs> you're immune or are you into some? There's a difference. that could I, I, I was immune to humiliation since oh, then. Because okay. I don't really think right. I, anything in my life could ever replicate that feeling of humiliation like that. What was that? Like, I literally was able to see myself doing it and just feeling awful while it was happening. And then when I got over it, nothing ever came close. Nothing ever came close. Oh, the first time. So it's like this, the stage fright and going, <laughs> oh, gosh. Did anybody say anything afterwards about it? That was the worst part. I remember when I was outside at the club, uh, I was waiting for my friends and family to come out. And they didn't even mention what just happened. They were just like, yeah, you guys want to go to a Flanagan's? Like, is anything open right now? We should go get something to eat. I was like, oh. <laughs> they were yeah. like. They didn't even want to say anything. <laughs> they didn't, it was just like, and then they're eating. Oh, well, huh, like yeah. it was an awkward thing. Everybody's eating. And then they're they talking didn't want about- to mention it, how bad it was. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So you've never really have, you've never toured around the United States or. Uh, yeah. I've done a couple of tours with friends. How, what did you think of doing touring? I liked it. I mean, I, it's good to say jokes that are not Miami based, you know, um, I, I have like a good 20, 30 minutes of like just original jokes that don't have much to do with Miami. So it was good to like bring those back out. Cause like I mentioned, when I first started doing comedy, I wasn't just a Miami comedian. I was a comedian from Miami, you know? Yeah. Um, And so I have some friends that go on tours or that, you know, now it's good to see that comedians are now taking control of their careers and doing their own tours uh, and maybe even doing pop-up shows and, you know, their, their local bars or local mini theater or whatever. And, uh, you know, the, the recent tour that I've been with uh, was with a troupe called the uh, Hilarious Colombian Americans. And mm-hmm. it was Oscar and Alex Caravaño. 
uh, and Pedro. Shout out to them if they're listening. So we were uh, going on tour. We, were, we went to places like Philly and Boston and, and a bunch of clubs in New York. And it was my first, you know, full-fledged tour with these guys. And it was a lot of fun. And it was great uh, bringing in some Colombian jokes and talking about their city, you know, trashing their city is also fun. I love trashing other <laughs> cities because I'm sure they do but the, the same to Miami. So uh, it was a lot of fun touring. But the yeah. uh, the main the main way that I remain as, as a comedian is just creating content online, uh, going up on stage and working out with my fellow comedians here locally and just uh, trying to figure out how that creative flow works out and where material comes from. So that, that's what I'm enjoying the most about being a comedian in, in, in the modern world, in the modern stand-up comedy world. Right. And, and Miami has changed quite a bit, especially yeah, since comedy, the eight. Yeah. Oh my, I can't even recognize it anymore. And that in Fort Lauderdale. Like, what the hell happened down there? Like, Yeah, you know, that's a great point. Fort Lauderdale used to be a better scene. I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad scene either, but, like, I remember why I used to drive. Because, like I said, Miami, since there was no scene back then, I would have to drive hours to get my five minutes of stage time. And it's usually in, like, really run-down places. And I remember uh, Fort Lauderdale had a lot of options. I'm sure it still does. Like, a couple of friends of mine, Drew Illa, for example, runs a great show uh, in that area. But, you know, now I just stay primarily in Miami because we're, like, at – about almost, we can almost go up twice a, a night now in the city. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. But no, overall, like Miami, like it, it, it's I, some of my family. What's crazy? I live in um, well, I live in Brooklyn. I live in New York, and a lot of my family down in Florida, including Miami, they're paying more money in rent, bills, and everything else than I'm paying, and I'm in New York. Like this. Yeah, yeah, Miami's is, very quickly. It, 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 how, where, where's this money coming from in Miami? I'm just so curious. Like, oh, it's like, it's I would, I would guess it's a combination of old money, right? Uh-huh. People were there for a while and that established themselves. And then when they have, uh, you know, the next generation, they, they're sustained by that. And there's also new money where, you know, people listen to the hip hop music and then, or, or they watch a movie and they're just like, oh, Miami's where it's at. So it becomes branded that way. And you know what? Miami is thriving nonetheless, even though the housing is really bad here. I mean, this yeah. year alone, I've seen so many skyscrapers, you know, getting built and neighborhoods are being gentrified. You know, I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing, but, you know, right, that's right, how yeah. it works or whatever. And yeah, it's just so much going on. We, we got a new train line. I mean, you guys over there in New York, you know, you, you get on a subway, you can go anywhere. Here, yeah. here Miami, our, our metro rail just, just takes you down a couple of blocks. You know, it doesn't even go westbound. It just stays in one area. Yeah, that's another thing. There's no real, for as big and as crowded it is, there's no real uh, public transportation that's that big. Because SunBiz, the, the, the toll system here, you got to go Sunbiz. through three tolls to go eastbound, for example. And so if, if you're making that much money and there's so much traffic, I mean, why build? I mean, I get it. You know, if I was a political guy, I'd be like, no, 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 we're doing just fine with these tolls. We don't need it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's why I think they they don't invest exactly those tolls. Yeah, those damn, because I think last time I racked in um, when I had a rental car, like it was like $90 worth of tolls or something crazy. Yeah, this is, it's 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 insane. I saw one bit that you did about the Brickle... It was like a, uh, a, you were making fun of like uh, some real estate agent on Brickle. Oh, yeah. You know, it's so funny that guy. <laughs> he was, a, by the way, he's a nice guy. He messaged me saying, hey, this is hilarious. So, you know, there, there's there's no like uh, you know, qualms there. But 
Uh, <laughs> this guy, this guy, when they sent me this, so, so a friend of mine sent me that video. And by the way, uh, for those that don't know about this video, so there's, there's a video that I wouldn't say went viral, but it was well known in Miami and it was about a realtor and he's on a high rise and he's, it's kind of like a music video. And, you know, the chorus kind of goes something that break old life, everything downstairs. And so when I, when they sent me this video, I'm watching it and I thought it was a parody. I was like, when is, when is this guy going to say a joke? But by the time he went to the third rhyme in the song, I was like, this guy's not joking. This guy is making a serious music video about how great Brickle is. So it was the, the comedy was so wide open. That I was like, well, I guess I'm gonna have to fix this. It was <laughs> so, open for you, yeah, open. <laughs> and so I just did the 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 split screen thing, and then yeah, it was a hit. Everybody loved it. Let me, let me pull up. Let me see if I can get this video real quick because I thought it was it was good because that, that's that, kind of how I feel. Because sometimes I feel like in Miami, people are kind. They're unrealistic. Hold on, expectations, realities. Here we go. The brickle life. Oh, you and the rain, the rent and homeowners association. HOA fees, or as H- I call yeah. it, hustle on apartment fee. The the drink, the price of drinks and pizza. Yeah, that's it. The food. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you got to get out of here. And then the eviction notice. That guy, that guy, he left it all up for you just to clown him. It was easy. But, it was easy. It was easy. Yeah, it knows a lot of your stuff is funny. And I just think because um, I understand the humor because I have family down there. So I totally get some of the stuff that uh, you do make. Jo- oh, Miami's only sugar daddy attorney. <laughs> That's what's great oh, about being a comedian in Miami at the, during these times. There's so many things that have been like accepted and uh-huh. haven't been fully made fun of or or explored yet comedically. And so like now as I, cause you know, my, your, your comedy voice changes over time. So now that my voice is getting a little more fine tuned, these things kind of like stand out to me more as like, Hey, no one's made fun of this stuff or no, no one's ever mentioned this. No, it's a lot of stuff in in my, so go, go over with me. Cause I'm aware of, you know, some of those trends and all that. What is, you say some of the things now, the trends in Miami that a comic like you can uh, certainly make jokes about. Yeah, so there's so much. I mean, Miami is so wide open for comedy because I mean, now, I, now, not in the past, because it was very different. I'm oh, really what are the trends now? Got it. Yes, what um, are the trends now that you are encountering? Because I've I've lived there before. Like I said, I've had family, and then through the years, I've watched. Now I'm like, what the hell's going down there? Like, what's going on? You know, over there. The trends in Miami. You know, the, the first thing that comes to mind is you know, of course, housing. Housing is being a, a big issue and. You know, all the realtors are kind of just like sweeping that issue under the rug. Like, oh, no, you can still afford it. No, no, no. You know, if uh, the prices go up, who's to say when you buy it goes up even more? You know, they're kind of like going. Yeah, oh, they're BSing people. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a big trend. Um, Bitcoin and crypto and NFTs were kind of a big trend. And then like FTX kind of went down under. And then now everyone's kind of like thinking, is this really a thing now? Because. We wanted to be the capital of crypto, and then now mm-hmm. since there's a crypto winter, we're, con- <laughs> crypto we're, we're reconsidering. <laughs> uh, let's see another trend. Uh, the dating here is is I would say it evolved. I mean, most you know what I always call uh, 
seeing those podcasts of conservative men arguing with OnlyFans model as like the new daytime TV where just people arguing with different valleys. But the dating in Miami has changed so drastically that you have to evolve and change the way you see dating in order for you to catch up. Because right. here now, like there's so many hot women here and, you know, they have so much power now. They go on social, you know, they, they, they sell, you know, OnlyFans subscriptions. And maybe if you date one of them, you have to be okay with that. Or uh, they find sugar daddies in the Brickell area. I mean, there's so many restaurants and bars that you see these kinds of dating activities where it's like, this guy's clearly just like being used by this girl and he doesn't care. Like he's loving the attention. <laughs> and so you just have to like, that's always kind of, I felt like it's always gone down in Miami though. I've always felt like that's been right. happening. No, I agree. But nobody, but now it's nobody really said anything. And right. before OF they had Tootsies. Remember Tootsies? They still have um, Tootsies. Great place. Yeah. yeah. This, the world's largest strip club. Yeah, I haven't been there in a while, but I have fond memories. I've had a lot of fun there. <laughs> Gosh, uh, what else can I say? Hold on, we're going to touch on. Let me let me look at your IG over here. What else you're talking about that I? Miami Arena. Did they change the Miami? They changed that already again, or? Remember that the Miami Arena was the FTX Arena. <laughs> Yeah. And then Sam, Sam Bankman-Fried got uh, arrested for doing a Ponzi scheme. And so they immediately took out the name and they were trying to find a new sponsor. And then they just ended up calling it the arena. It's a safe mm-hmm. bet. Oh, so I didn't know that changed. One thing I've noticed is uh, what is that? The winter music conference that comes, when is that in March? I think so. Somewhere there. Uh, it's during ultra. Ultra. That's what it is. The ultra um that has changed crazy through the years because I remember like in 1997, that was not, it, it was so small compared to what it is now today. And same thing with the, um, what's the other one that has changed? Art Basel. That's changed. That's turned into like a crazy event because I see everybody on social media about it now. And I'm like, oh my God, I remember when that was so small. Well, I, I always remembered it being uh, these huge things. I mean, maybe you were you were around when it was just getting started, but they've been flipping and flopping where to put um, Ultra because of the noise pollution that was happening in the Bayfront Park area. There's these mm-hmm. big rises surrounding the Ultra uh, location. <laughs> and uh, they were complaining that it was just too much lights and music. And so they try to bring it to like Homestead, which is kind of like the yeah. ends of Miami. Like oh. we, my, Homestead is part of Miami, but Miami doesn't consider Homestead. It's like kind of like the countryside of Miami. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I know. That's like you got to go drive down uh, deep, south. deep. Yeah. Yeah, drive south, and it's deep there. I I, rem- I know exactly where Homestead and is. people still riding horses, and there's farmland there. And then there's You're almost to Key Largo. Right. You're almost to the Keys when you're heading out there. They right. wanted to put, did they put it over there or no? They, they, I think they did once, and then they brought it right back. Because <laughs> nobody was going to go to that. I that think so, far. something like that. I don't really follow the old – I mean, I got to go. Don't get me wrong. I, I've been planning on going just to experience what this is all about because I've seen some awesome and hilarious videos. I've seen, like, you know, some really cool DJs coming out. I've seen uh, girls making out with trees because they're so high on Molly. I mean, whatever. But there's just one big party, and yeah. if you afford those tickets, you're spring. definitely invited. 
Yeah, no, no. I remember it back in uh, like 1997. And what? It, and then when I lived, I actually lived in South Beach, uh, like 2005 to 2007. And during that, those period, and I remember it was, it, it got a little bit big then, but now I think a couple of years ago before the virus, it was a big, big deal. And I was like, what the hell has happened to this event? Like, it's like turned gigantic. Miami did not care about the virus. Miami would have thrown a whole ultra party during. <laughs> they don't care. Yeah, no, and that was another thing. You guys were totally. How was it? Uh, how was it in Miami during the virus and all the lockdown and all that? What, what did you do? So what I did personally was I stayed in. I mean, I, I try to like uh, get accustomed to working with stuff online and projects and stuff. But I, I also heard, and I've experienced it a little bit that Miami was kind of doing these. Uh, underground speakeasies kind of like in the 1920s mm-hmm. where they would open certain bars or areas in the back and then they would do things all right so for example like i, I remember one time uh i went to a speakeasy and it was a salsa club uh this was in Ocho. i won't name the place and there was a curfew. <laughs> this was like in the end of 2020 and there was a mm-hmm. curfew in place at midnight and they can only allow a certain amount of people in. However, there was salsa dancing because, you know, Miami hears whatever they want. Right. <laughs> the Latinos like Miami. So you need to practice social distancing. We're like salsa dancing. Got it. All right. <laughs> we go, we, I go to this place and, you know, there's a certain amount of people there. And then midnight comes around and the DJ goes, all right, guys, it's currently midnight. Uh, we have to close this place. Thank you all for coming. And then like five people would leave. And then they would lock the door and then the DJ goes, all right, guys, now that those are, now that those guys are gone, let's keep this party going. And they just brought the music <laughs> right back up and people kept dancing. Oh my God. Yeah. So that's, I heard a lot of that was going on during the whole pandemic. Um, now tell me more about Miami comedy, um, com Cause I see the little logo in the back. Tell us about that. And I see, cause you have two IGs. Did you start that during the pandemic or what is exactly to explain it to me? And my so, the, the first Instagram channel, the main one at Miami Comedy, uh, I kind of had to understand how social media worked. I was like everyone else, really. I wasn't like a guru or like trying to you know, hack my way with bots or anything like that. I started social media the same way most people start social media. How are people blowing up on this thing? And I just did everything to kind of figure out the formula. I, I wrote memes and Twitter updates and try to take photos and maybe take a photo of the event. And like I mentioned before, you find that sweet spot of what it, what you're able to create and what your audience wants. So I grew that over time. And now that Reels and TikToks and all that have been popular, I've been able to figure out like a nice little creative flow on how to make that work. Uh, and then the website itself is um, kind of like the events calendar of mm-hmm. what shows you can find and the shows that we produce in different bars. And it's become this really cool website because we're, we're number one on Google results because I've, when I was a starving artist trying to grow this website, I would blog every day and I would podcast and I would you know, put up photos. And over the years, since there's so much content that was generated, Google was like, well, if anyone wants to know about comedy in Miami, it's this website here. Uh, and so that contributed to part of the success of MiamiComedy.com. The, the podcast, I did a podcast regularly before the pandemic where I would just record and post probably like once a week or something like that. But it wasn't anything special. It was just me like, all right guys, uh, the next show is going to be so-and-so date at this time at this place. 
And then in, when the pandemic hit, what I would do is I would go live every day and try to record a podcast and bring in people on the chat that were also stuck at home with nothing to do. So I was like, yeah. hey, guys, you know, we're bored. Let's do a podcast <laughs> together. So I would just go live, riff, whatever chat would come up, I would riff off of that. A lot of haters would jump in. A lot of like people you know, talking shit on the chat would jump in. It was just fun. It was just like this, what's going to happen today? And I did that for two years straight, just everyday podcasting. And it helped me develop a virtual voice where I became comfortable going live mm-hmm. and generating ideas and going off the cuff. So it was a good workout as a comedian, especially since there was no stage time. And uh, that social media handle is at Miami Comedy Podcast because I separated the two. I used to post the podcast clips on the main channel. Right. weren't following for the podcast, so they just wanted like the memes and stuff. So I just separated the two channels. So from that, you just branded. Wow, that's smart. That's the smartest um, thing I've heard in a long time. So now you're, if anybody Googles Miami comedy there, you pop up, you got, you own the domain and everything. Yeah. Somebody was squatting it. I think for like a thousand seven hundred dollars back in 2014, I bought it and it was an ugly website for like two years. Oh, <laughs> so, oh so you went and you paid for that domain yeah. for $1,400. 1700 1700 Damn. You locked it down. Yeah. It was a risk. Cause I, I didn't have a, I didn't have a job at that time. Cause I quit the bank job and so right, right. I saved up a little nest egg to kind of like let me figure things out so i Just i spent the majority of it yeah buying that no no it's, it's hard as creatives um you're constantly like right now i have two podcasts and i'm constantly doing different episodes and then trying to find guests and trying to it's a whole freaking process and everything what is your favorite social media platform so far instagram instagram you I like think instagram the best yeah, I think Instagram is really good the way the way it's accessible and it's not too overwhelming. I got on TikTok. I understand TikTok, but it's a bit overwhelming. There's just so much going on and there's so much functionality. Uh, Instagram kind of like not only were around longer, but they also took their time building a platform and a, a user experience that is more native and you understand stories and you understand posting and you understand reels. Uh TikTok, as soon as you jump in, they've got everything there. You're kind of just like, there's too much to do. I can't handle it. And so when you start endlessly scrolling, they just shoot random things. Yeah, the, the, the rabbit hole, I call it, of when you go through TikTok. They, yeah, they, they're really good at that. Um, yeah. Instagram is a little more niched. Like if you search one thing, it'll give you that one thing and then suggest something else. TikTok is more like, what about this and this and this? Ah, you like this. Okay, so yeah. this, this. <laughs> Yeah. No, because they'll catch you. I'll catch myself getting stuck. I have to put a timer because I have to do my own TikTok. So I'm looking through and I notice the best thing for me is I put a timer on and then I look and then I stop at a certain point. And, and um, but actually, you know, the best social. Have you tried using Facebook or no? Facebook is so old school. I try to get him well, back. You know what? Facebook, I get the most numbers. I get the most. Um, I have a Facebook fan page is over 600,000 versus my IG. See, I for it might be different for you. IG limits me and Facebook it seems to grow the best. Like that's how does, where it, I get, how does Instagram limit you? Um it just doesn't for some reason Facebook like the more people can share your posts, people can like your posts and then they add and then you comment back. And on IG I've had more of a difficult time like I've had uh, my backup IG I lost one time for uh, it was and I didn't I tagged somebody and I I lost it so for me personally um fa- and then also Facebook is both I um 
Meta's paying me for my both of my IGs and my Facebook too, but Facebook I've seen the most results. So I've just noticed I, nice. the same thing that you're posting on IG, the reels, because you can make money from the reels on Facebook. If you put them over there, people are coming. And even though it's like an older audience, uh, Facebook is number one on social media. A lot oh, of is it? Okay. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. But what I do is um, I actually get the most, like I'm building up my YouTube. And when I go in and I see what's working, it's it's been lately Facebook, Facebook, and IG. For me, because I'm female, they like to hunt us all females up. Um, they limit my post. So I'm trying to, you know, advertise more of my comedy podcasts on there. But then my audience is like, when I do post something, they're like, ah, they're not yeah. really. I've, I've heard a lot of stories like TikTok is also even worse, I hear. When it comes yeah, no, to- I lost a TikTok. I lost, um, I lost it, a TikTok. Just promoting the podcast? Um, that one, I just remember there was a trend where women were in a boat or something. There was a small boat and then there was a bigger boat. Yes. And I did that. I just did it. I said, and it was before um, Christmas Eve. And I was saying, you know, who, like, uh, find a Latina that could cook for you or something like that. And it was all in Spanish. And then I got deleted the next day, the post. Then they didn't give you a reason? Uh uh-uh. uh. I had two other posts in the past. One of them was my father. My father is, uh, well, he's Cuban. He's a gangster. You can imagine, like, um, and I did a post and he happened to have a gun in one of them. And they said, we will not promote criminal. It was one of those, uh, you know, I, I have a father or something. And I was showing, cause my father died in 2018 and I was showing different pics of my father and one of them, he had a gun and, um, yeah, they said, we don't promote criminal activity, but then I see people with guns all the time. Yeah. I just saw one today. It, yeah. Like it. So I, it was a I, father and daughter photo shooting machine guns. <laughs> really? Well, they, they, with me, they, and it was, it wasn't even, it wasn't like it was a picture of me or whatever. It was a picture of my father, like from the eighties or nineties. And he had a gun with him and then I got deleted. And so I was like, and then recently I got deleted at 53 and somebody offered for me to buy it back. And I, and I, when I look, I'm always looking where stuff comes from, where my traffic. And I noticed the TikTok never pushes me out. Like they do. It's a very weird, very, very weird um, site, like platform compared to. But my best luck I have is, you know, Facebook, then IG. So. Yeah, I hear that. It's random how the algorithm works. If it if it even if it if even is an algorithm, because I sometimes wonder if it's somebody that's like assigned a certain amount of accounts and they have to supervise their behavior. And if it's something that they don't like, they'll be like, hey, there's a gun in this one in particular. I don't like that. Let's delete well, it. I was in Tampa for the holidays and I was posting in Tampa and I was getting tons and tons of views. But here in New York, and I, this is just a theory that I was thinking about. I'm like, well, New York is a high, more highly populated. Maybe Tampa, there's less people because it does go by TikTok. It kind of does go by like who's around you. Mm-hmm. But so it was very weird in Tampa. I was getting like a lot of views. And then the next thing you know, because it was right before the holidays. Because there's um, nothing going on in Tampa. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Tampa's another area, like, other than Miami. No, Tampa, I really wonder. When I was there, I'm like, what is wrong with these people? They feel like Tom, because Tom Brady came over there, they can charge 20. They, I went somewhere for happy hour, 
and it was on a there's a street called Kennedy Avenue where they used to have hookers and everything and it was happy hour and the drink was $15 mind you I live in New York and it, on Millionaire's Row on the 57th street I can go to happy hour and there's $5 drinks and I get the drink and I tell the bartender what's going on that this is not happy hour prices $15 is not I live in New York like what's going on she goes you know Tom Brady is with the Bucks now she tells me that. And I was like, the hookers were right across the street. Like, what the hell? I said, when I was a kid, I go, there was hookers right across the street turning tricks for less than $20. Like, what are you trying to, like, you guys are really smoking crack over here now. Like, so, yeah, because they, they, they really think, like, uh, Tom Brady has raised the inflation for some reason over there. You know, Miami, they did. I remember when P. Diddy first came to uh when he first was in Miami, and that's when I saw South Beach did a big change, like in 97. I'll never forget that. It was like, yeah. Did you hear about uh, P. Diddy now? What about him now? I think it's he has trending. another kid. He's no, his, his girl likes uh, getting peed on. Young, her it's- name was Young Miami. It was trending on Twitter and everything. And so uh, the hashtag that uh, blew up the story was P E E. Diddy. Oh my god! <laughs> I love stories like that. It's so funny. It's great. Oh, the best so comedian funny. right now is the internet. Just a collection yes. of people on the internet of the best comedians. <laughs> oh, I know. I know some of the memes. Who's your favorite but, comedian? The internet. <laughs> well, like yeah, you could find a lot of stuff, and you could scroll and find a lot of like comedy though. But I. I tend to like, um, I enjoy, because the artist, stand-up comedian, stand-up comedy is so, it's it's not that easy, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a very, so I appreciate all stand-up comics, because it's it's not too, you know how it is, your very first time to bomb, and... uh, I think that's what it takes, if you want to be a stand-up comedian, you have to humiliate yourself. You got to feel that. You You got to feel some humiliation. Yeah, you got to really make yourself look, feel, and be seen as nothing but shit. And then once you reach the lowest of the low in your reputation, you, all you could do is just rise up from there. Uh, because a lot of people, and I've, I've coached some people that want to do stand-up, right? A lot of people, what they're worried about is, like, well, what, what, what would people think if I say things? Or what if I get canceled? Or what if, like, no one laughs? And it's like, you have to experience all that stuff you have to experience being edgy and you have to experience saying a joke that's not funny and you have to experience offending somebody like you have to experience all these things so that you can see oh this isn't really as much of a big deal as people make it seem to be and being canceled nowadays and i can't imagine in miami like (laughs) the jokes versus new york it's so different it's yeah. such a different style and like and you there's some stuff that you can't go there in new york right and and very opposite of Miami. What's great about my so the what I've seen differently in terms of how these two cities uh, reciprocate in comedy is, uh, you know, New York. I did a a big show on Tuesday. It was at the Stand. Shout out to the mm-hmm. Stand. Give me the. Spot. Oh, you were here this Tuesday. No, this is a while ago. This is about oh, like a while ago. Year. Okay. Yeah, I did the Stand, and it was an awesome show. And it was a Tuesday. It was the main show. I think it was like eight or nine o'clock slot, and some great comedians were there. And I was the host and they, they sent me a message like, hey, why don't you come host? And I took a flight to New York just to host on a Tuesday. I mean, why not? It would take a little mini vacay and hang out over there. And uh, I remember when I was getting ready to go up, I was looking out in the audience to kind of read them. 
And I can see that not only was it sold out on a Tuesday at eight o'clock, but they were also wearing like their favorite comedian shirts and their favorite podcast shirts. And these guys are like big comedy fans. Like they're, you know, I'm pretty sure these are the kinds of people that when they wake up making breakfast, they put on some sort of comedy podcast from their favorite comedian or whatever. Right. Like these, these are dedicated fans. However, I also noticed that there's some things that you can't talk about. Like you mentioned, like there's a certain boundary that you can't really cross there because people are a little more on edge and they've yeah. heard it all kind of when it comes to comedy in Miami, it's either you're lit <laughs> or you're not. Okay. You're lit. You got to go up there as a rock star and you got to say funny shit. Right. And one of the best ways to do that is so New York would appreciate a well-written joke. Miami appreciates when you make it about them. But it's a well-written, but it, like, you got you to gotta, you gotta go through the back door and show them a well-written joke that's not relayed as a joke that you wrote. It's almost like, what's up with this guy? Why are you wearing that around your wife? Did you think that was a good thing? Bro, let me tell you guys something about married people. They always dress like they're home, like whatever. And then you go that route, and then you put in something that you wrote, but it's bounced off something that's relevant or something that's happening around you. That you got, you you have to like sneak it in that way. I believe in in crowds like Miami, New York. They they take it all in. It's like I'd love to hear your jokes. What are your jokes, right? And then you just say joke one, joke two. All right, they love it. I mean, of course, I'm just you know one person experiencing comedy. No, I could a- see that with Miami though. They do want it to be about themselves and, and every. Yeah, you got to be lit. You got to go up there like a rock star. Like, hey guys, I'm <laughs> like a rock star. I'll laugh. In New York, it's like, oh man, I've seen some shit. You you ready to hear it? Yes, tell us. Yeah, no, it's very, de- and they are over here. We are uh, more dedicated, and you're right about that. They are like I, I'm. I'm one of those ones that turns on a podcast. Well, on my downtime, turns on a podcast of a comedian that I want to hear. To yeah. opposed to in yeah. Miami, I don't even think we turn we tune into podcasts. We just listen to the reels, <laughs> the thirty second <laughs> clip. Oh. Yeah, no, here we, we get, we do get dedicated. There's some comedians that I can attach to that. So what so, are some of your favorite um, podcasts? Um, actually, hold on. I have to look through all, um, I have to look through all of my YouTube that I've been listening to. Um, a good friend of mine has one, hold on a minute. Uh, something, do drugs, hold on, do, where's, let me look for her real quick. Cause it's something about doing drugs. Where she is? There she is. It's a is. podcast about doing drugs. Yeah, how to do drugs, Aaliyah Janine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Okay. See, it's very good. Um, she's been on my show quite a bit. Um, she's one of my favorite ones, so I always listen to her. And uh, yeah, so she's somebody that I always listen to. And um, I do listen to a lot of true crime. I'm right now heavy into uh, that Iowa murder at the moment. It's just been sucking up my day and time. But yeah, how to do drugs is one that I enjoy. And then I did listen to a couple other ones. So I'm that's that's me. Podcasts <laughs> are fun because it, it puts you in conversations that you wish you could have <laughs> where you live. Right? Yeah. No, exactly. It does. And then it's, if you relate with the that's why sometimes I'll have a guest on again because I have to still feel the energy with that person. And the second time I have Second time I have a guest on, it, it seems to be better because then we kind of know it's sort of like having sex. You know what I'm saying? Like you got to feel the vibe out before I, I gotta dedicate feel another the vibe. 15 minutes. Feel the vibe. <laughs> got to know the 
know the positions, which position they're good at, what position <laughs> they're bad at. Same thing with uh, interviewing comics. It's like, I got to have them on again. Okay, I knew they were good at this position. I know I got to bend them over instead. You know, <laughs> like, same thing, same shit, different smell. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because sometimes it. it's been awkward. I'll be honest, though, but I do like interviewing. I and I interviewed one viral person. I won't say their name because I won't give them the credit because they suck. And um, I said never again because they they their head was like inflated. And did and you I'm say like, that on the podcast? No, I'm you should have. You're like, wow, I, I, thanks for being on it, but never again. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to. Well, no, I've done that. Like, when the, I've had guests and I've been like, oh, okay, I'm not going to promote their shit. People are now going to come back at me. But, um, no, like, this one viral person, they they were like, you know, I'm big in New York. And I'm like, you know, there's other cities besides New York. Like, <laughs> that doesn't really phase me. You know what I'm saying? I've lived in L.A. I've lived in New York. I've lived in Vegas. I've lived in Miami. I, I'm old as shit, you know, like I, it, that don't phase me, you know, oh, a lot of clubs know me and I'm like, okay, well, good. I, now comedy clubs don't know you. That's where I go. I don't go to regular nightclubs. Like, you know what I mean? I have yeah. to let them put them. I mean, I deal with it too. I mean, comedy. Yeah, put them in their tracks. place. Like, yeah, like it's, it, so I've noticed that with um, stand-up comedians, I think because it's an art form they're better behave and it takes time. But those, those people that go viral for just a second, they're cocky as shit. Yeah. And and they don't understand. I mean, you know, not not to trash talk influencers or people killing it on social media. I mean, I get it, but yeah. What I've been doing marketing for, for a while before the whole sensationalism of influencers started happening. I think, I think the numbers that you see on a social media account, they seem, they can seem impressive and they can make a good living off of it. But it's not it's not the end all of what marketing is. Right. You know, like you have a really big following from, you know, some of the videos that you've made. But how 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 good of a relationship do you have with that audience? Right. So as soon as you put out a T-shirt, does your audience even buy one to help you out? Or is it just like do that joke again? <laughs> you know, there's some people that you can't do any other kind of joke than that one kind of joke, like a template. Right. And if they ever yeah. stray from that template they start losing the audience because it's like, we only know you as this person. You can't do anything else kind of of a position as an influencer or you can't experiment. You can't do anything different. You're branded as such. And you're, it's almost like a blessing and a curse. And so what most people need to understand is somebody may have a big following. Somebody may have success from those followings, but at the same time, there's those that have a big following, but they're not as successful as they may make it seem to be a great documentary to see how this works. And what I'm trying to explain is I think it's on HBO. It's called fake famous. It, it exposes. Oh just- yes. yes. Where, they, where the, um, he started buying bots for different people. Right. And then they, they started living the influencer lifestyle and then the followers then s- surpassed the bots themselves because it was all fake from the beginning. Yes. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I kind of hit because, uh, you know, I, I'm on an IG and I first started off like as an IG model and um, there was an app called Clubhouse and I loved it. I like uh, I like Clubhouse. Yeah, I like Clubhouse, too, because um, you instead of like you see the pretty pictures, but then when you meet the people in person, you're like, oh, my God, they're they got no personality. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But on Clubhouse, you, you talk to the people. 
you you get a vibe of them and then you're like oh they're cool you know and you kind of i like clubhouse i enjoyed it but i don't have a lot of time to do clubhouse anymore you know i think that's when everything was shut down here everybody was on clubhouse uh but now that people are using twitter spaces uh but yeah clubhouse i really like because for me it's all with the vibe I, if somebody's got i've met people that have big social medias and they have like no per, I, I can't deal with i'm like get them out of here <laughs> like i don't want to talk there's also people with a big following that don't know how to turn that into a business uh they just yeah have a follow, you know yeah so exactly a follower account a like count th- these are all just like fake indications of social status some do good so, like i said some do great at it but not all and I think uh, it, it, that's not really healthy for a society to like get someone and either praise them or undermine them or even for yourself. Like if you went viral and you think, you know, you're hot shit now, it's like, what does that do to our society? How does that affect the way we think or see each other? Where it's like, oh, well, she, well, he or she's cute, but she only has 100 followers. I don't know if she's the right one. You know, like that's a terrible thing to consider. But there's people that look at your number and follower count and see if you're a worthy human being. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. And that to me, it seems weird to me until I talk to the person like face to face or not face to face. But if I talk, once I talk to somebody, then I think that's more valuable than their social media account and all that. But with com- I love comedians. I love pushing comedians. When I see a good comedian and he's not really pushing the social media, I'm like, what's wrong with you? Because <laughs> I've known I've known some and I'm like, what's wrong with you? You're great. And they they're like, you ever meet those people that are like really talented and, you know, have you, no online presence? Yes. Yeah. A lot and of them. Like, what are you so doing? much talent. <laughs> yeah. Like, I want to stalk you. I want to go to every show. Like, I've told um, friends of mine, I'm like, can you just pin your schedule on the front on your on the front of your? All comedians should do this. They should pin their schedule. Now that you got pins on IGs, like either on the front of their Twitter or on the front of their IG. So people like me can go in and, and plan our day or, Oh, you're appearing this time. We can go see you opposed mm-hmm. to like us having to go to your website, figure it out. You fuss yeah. with third party uh, ticket like, channel. I'm staring and I'm like, is this any, um, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and then you end up buying tickets from like a fake website to see. Yeah. The- <laughs> like just do it, put it, Put a pin, use that pin button. It's, everybody use that pin button. So that way, if we like you and it's a Wednesday and you happen to be here, we will follow you. We don't want to, you know what I'm saying? Because I wanted to do that with one of my friends that's a comedian. And then I couldn't find where they were. <laughs> like, And then I'm like, damn, I can't even surprise them and go to the show. Yeah, so it's a weird it's a weird world we're living in where some people are really good at faking a life online and some that are really talented but they don't know how to do it either. So it's kind of like Yeah, stuck. yeah, it's a very it's I've a very it. weird. Yeah, the people with like no talent have all this social media and the people with uh like that have the talent don't know I I feel like they're too creative. You know what I yeah, mean? They have no some of some of my favorite comedians that I grew up with before social media was this big uh they they're not good at social media. I mean, they'll post their dates or whatever, but when you see them on stage, they're just so like naturally hilarious. And they're kind of like these unknown geniuses. And then when you go on their social media, it's like, they, they don't grow it. They don't haven't posted in like a month and they're not active. And it's a shame. It really breaks my heart. Cause I'm like, man, you, you're so good, but not online. 
Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Well, thank you so much, Manny. Please tell my audience where they can find you. If you have any <coughs> upcoming shows, um, tell everybody where they can find sure. you. Yeah. So uh, first of all, thanks for having me, Marcella. I think your podcast is a really cool idea to start uh, interviewing uh, comedians, especially someone like me. I really appreciate it. Uh, so my website is MiamiComedy.com. And if you're ever in the city of Miami and you want to see what the comedy scene is like here, make sure you check out the events calendar. We do eight shows a week currently as of January 2023. More will be added as they come. Uh, and if you're, if you're interested in uh, getting comedy coaching for things like how to run a business with your uh, comedy or how to bring up a comedy scene wherever you're from, or if you just want to get in touch with your sense of humor, that website is MannyGaravito.com. Thank you so much for being on Sunday Funday. Thank you, Marcella.